Welcome to the family. Filling in for Tom Bernard, I'm Dave Schrader, along with me. Alex Brampernard Rasmussen. Andy Brampernard. Oh, oh, there we go, Cassie Schrader. I need to come up with better names for these channels than Guest 1 and Guest 2. I like yeah. it. Tiny Blunders, Big Disasters, Jared not our guest when we return right here to the family. Michael Bryant, Brad Sean Bryant, what's the latest? Uh, we're just trying to represent people who have been injured through no fault of their own. We're trying to talk to them before they talk to an adjuster or before they take a settlement that isn't something they should get based upon their injuries. How many people are out there in different, not in the law business, that love to run around scaring people before you even get to them? Well, adjusters will want to settle cases right. and they want to close files. So based upon that, they do what they have to. Um, I think there's a lot of circumstances where they probably act as attorneys where they're not attorneys and they try yeah. to explain people's rights or they give them a certain view that if they look at it. And what I always say is this, if the adjuster really truly thinks the offer they made makes sense, they'd have them come see us. You know? And that's exactly my my question is, you have to understand who has the best, your best interest in mind, correct? Well, you want to know what your rights are. You know, whether yep. or not you decide yep. you're going to hire us or not, that's a choice. It's a free consultation, and you want to understand what your, all your rights are and what coverages you have. And plus the fact, I hang out with you, so you got to be a good guy <laughs> if I'm hanging out with you. Uh, maybe. <laughs> uh, okay. Ladies and gentlemen, Michael Bryant, Bradshaw, and Bryant. Tommy, I never believed it until now, but apparently you're a pretty big deal. Was there ever a question in your mind? Well, you might say I was a doubting Thomas. See what I did there? Yes, how incredibly clever. Anyway, what's your point? Well, last month I was trying to find you a car to replace the Mafia Mobile and suggested leasing a Nissan Altima as it was impossible to find your first choice. I love that Altima, and I'm actually looking forward to checking out the all-wheel drive as soon as it's known. Well, apparently someone at Nissan was listening to us, and at this month, at Coon Rapids Nissan and Burnsville Nissan, we can offer short-term 18-month leases. That's actually pretty smart. By then, the chip shortage will be over, right? Man, I hope so. The only chip shortage I want to hear about is Bilski dumping one into the bunker. <laughs> By the way, for the first time ever, Coon Rapids Nissan was number one in the state, and Burnsville was number two. Your Altima was actually one of the cars that put J-Lo on top. To learn more about short-term leasing, stop into Burnsville Nissan or Coon Rapids Nissan. And welcome back to the show. This is The Family. Tom and Catherine are off today. I'll be filling in. Supposed to be here last week, Andy. I have to apologize. Our family for Christmas unwrapped the worst stomach virus we've had in a decade. Oh, gosh. Stomach viruses are just... It was I know. the yeah, They're worst. pretty much the worst. And it started Christmas Eve, and it ended up onto New Almost Year's New Day. Year's Day. Wait, yeah. so when you have people, it's like sickness in your house. It's like it starts with somebody, mm -hmm. and then a day or two later, somebody yes, else gets it. That's how it it's like it goes on forever. Well, and and uh, patient zero, my son who came to visit us for Christmas. Oh, he's the one that brought it he in. He brought it in, Perfect. and then we had to have the three of them stay with us. Yeah, because they uh, can't go anywhere else. Right, so then Perfect. it just slowly moved through his son and wife and me and Winnie and, and Jack and Charlie and Pacey. and Max. It was just oh. the worst Oh my God. I didn't week. get much sleep because, like, the first night I had baby watch, the second night I had baby watch, he got sick on me. Oh and then the next night after that, my youngest son had it, and he Ooh. was up all night. So yeah, I was so just like <laughs> dealing with vomiting children. It was like the fountains of the Bellagio. Terrible. It was all yeah. just going oh, off. Oh, gosh. And orchestrated views. Uh, Jared Knott is our guest, and he has had numerous articles published in the Mensa Bulletin and in a graduate school textbooks. Also, on, this uh, 
talking about throwing up and diarrhea will yeah. be right up his alley. <laughs> right. we're, we're taking it right to the class from the get-go. Uh, he's, uh, he's had articles and, and such published on subjects ranging from Supreme Court reform to Arctic exploration. He was a decorated combat infantry officer in Vietnam in the 1st Air Cavalry Division. In his civilian career, he has served as vice president of sales and marketing and marketing director in the home improvement industry. He's a father of five. He lives in the Atlanta area with his wife, Catherine. And we're here to talk about his new book, Tiny Blunders, Big Disasters, 39 Tiny Mistakes That Change the World Forever. Jared, welcome to the show. Yes, thank you very much. It's good to be here. It sounds like I'm uh, joining kind of a rowdy bunch here. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, we're just uh, we're all coming off of a week of silence, so we're uh, we're happy to be back doing something. Tiny blunders, big disasters. It doesn't sound like these were such tiny little blunders after all. Certainly, I guess that the first kickoff was not much, but then the rest just uh, snowballs quickly. Quickly in a lot of these cases. Yes, in every case, whenever this mistake is made, at the time it's being made, the person making it uh, thinks of it as very unimportant, very minor, has no earthly idea the uh, catastrophic result is going to come as one dominant hits another, 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 explodes into a huge, huge, massive disaster at the end. What uh, what was the inspiration for you to, to pull all these stories into one place and, and present them as a new book? Yes, there was that old adage coming down from Benjamin Franklin that out there for centuries that from one of the nail, the shoe was lost. For one of the shoe, the rider was lost. For one of the rider, the battle was lost. one of the battle, the empire was lost. The empire was lost all for one of a nail. And it's a nice old saying, so on and so forth, but how often does that really happen? <laughs> a single tiny mistake causes an entire empire to collapse. You'll be amazed how often it happens over and over again. Well, and I, I like the fact that you you refer to it in the public uh, the press release as the butterfly effect, and it really is. It's crazy how yeah. just the beating yeah. of the butterfly wings, which seems so inconsequential, can have much larger ramifications down the line. Let's let's hit up some of your favorite stories from the book. It's over thirty nine uh, different stories that that uh, you definitely get deep into and flesh out in the book. But what are a couple of your your favorite standouts? Yes, uh, one that was one of the very first ideas when I started putting the whole thing together was uh, the teaser goes like this. A, a single piece of tape rotated several inches the wrong direction, changed the outcome of the Vietnam War. The United States might very well have won, except for this single tiny mistake, which doesn't make any sense, does it? <laughs> what no, not at about? all. And it, uh, yeah, it has to do with the Watergate break-in. And when James McCord and the burglars were jimmying the lock from the parking garage to the Watergate complex, they were told to hold a striker on the door down in place with a single piece of tape in the vertical position so no one could see it walking down the hallway. Oh. So they made a mistake, and they put it in a horizontal position. And this, by the way, is in the movie, the old movie, uh, All the President's Men. So they put it in a horizontal position so when Frank Wills, the night watchman, comes walking by, he sees the tape on the door. What was this tape on the door? And he calls the Washington, D.C. police. we got a break-in, uh, and they had to call him twice, by the way. And the rumor is, strong rumor, that they were going to send the uniform officer who was in duty on duty for that area, but he was intoxicated in a local bar and could not answer the call. So they had to send the bum patrol instead. That's three officers uh, dressed up as hobos in a sloppy car. Well, they come to the Watergate complex. The lookout does not recognize them as police officers. They come in the building, they go and they arrest James McCord and the uh, burglars. 
Watergate begins, one thing after another, after another, after another. Henry Kissinger gave an interview uh, about that same time. He was saying the plan was to go in, and they knew that the North Vietnamese were going to be testing the treaty. The plan was to go in there and bomb them, the allies out of them again, to get them in compliance. They were so weak politically, they couldn't. South Vietnam collapses, the administration collapses, it all falls apart because of a single piece of tape turned several inches the wrong direction and a drunk cop. I love it. And then they get the three hobo-dressed cops, so it must truly look like the Keystone cops appearing for this uh, major arrest that would unfold and kind of cause unsettle and unease here in our country. Yeah, I, I think in the movie, I think they have the James Wills, uh, Frank Wells plays himself. I think the uh, police officers are actually playing themselves, so they were the real officers, so they got to be celebrities for their 15 minutes. Oh, that's awesome. It's a lot like uh, In Cold Blood, the Truman Capote movie. They filmed that in the actual town where the story took place, mm-hmm. and they used a lot of the people that worked at the stores and the police force and, and everything, and they filmed the entire murders in the actual house where it took place as well. So it's interesting that uh, they kind of went the same way with all the president's men by by involving the actual police that were part of the story. I did not know that about in cold blood. It's kind of spooky, but uh, yeah, it is. Well, yeah. Capote's kind okay. of a, was kind of a strange guy. Yeah. <laughs> so the concept that he wanted to film there. Uh, yeah. You, you yeah, have right. this butterfly effect that takes place from this, right? This it is one small mistake, something that could have shaped our future. But I'm just curious. In hindsight, Jared, do you think that this was an important mistake? Was this something that needed to happen to kind of show us the the CD underside of, of politics and, and what was really going on in the world? Well, yes, there are, of course, a lot of CD things happening out there underneath the surface that we don't hear about or just rumored, and we don't never really find about them completely. Of course, they, what's happening with Miss uh, Maxwell and uh, Epstein, uh, Jeffrey Epstein, mm-hmm. and that was extremely uh, CD. And, uh, of course, uh, with the whole big story, it's not in my book, but uh, there's a uh, coroner's that say that he absolutely was murdered. He was strangled to death. He did not he did not uh, strangle himself or hang himself three foot off the floor in his uh, jail cell. Uh, that was uh, and why would he be murdered? Well, they uh, hush him up because he knew implications to a lot of very prominent people. Uh, and that's a just one example of things that are happening that we don't we never hear about. Sometimes fifty or sixty years later you hear about them, but at the time they just go undetected. And depending on who's in power, they sometimes go unprosecuted. Do a lot of these stories that you pull together into the book, were they stories that are, are public and the information's out there, but they've always downplayed it? They're more like a page 20 news story so that they don't show the blunders of what took place or the the small hiccups that altered the uh, the face of history? Or have these played out in the headlines? Well, it's funny. Every single story... It's well-established in history. It's in the history books. It has all the documentation. It's just I put it together in a completely different context. I kind of turned it history on sideways, and I looked at it from a different angle, from it being the, the, the tiny mistake that had all these uh, consequences. But, uh, yeah, would you like uh, one or two more uh, examples? No, definitely. Go ahead. Yes, uh, this one is fairly recent. Uh, it's in modern times. Some of them go back to ancient times. But uh, the teaser is that a single document, poorly designed by one single clerk in one single county, changed the outcome of a presidential election and led directly to a major war. The war would not have taken place except for this single tiny mistake. And, uh, 
It has to do with the election down in Florida, the 2000 presidential election. It was not the hanging chads, which got a lot of publicity, to your point. It's one that got a little bit of publicity, but most people don't know about it. And what happened was down in Palm Beach County, this very, very nice, intelligent lady was designing a ballad uh, with large print so that the older people down there could read it easily. And she designed it as a, uh, a ballad. It's called a butterfly ballad, a different context mm-hmm. for the right. word. But it had two pages, a left page and a right page, <laughs> with a series of punch holes down the center. Al Gore's name was the number two name on the left page, but he was the number three punch hole. The number two punch hole belonged to Pat Buchanan's on the right page. Well, in surrounding counties during the election, Pat Buchanan got maybe 100, 150 votes per county. In this one county, he gets over 3,000 votes. And some of the uh, ballots were double punch. People would punch Pat Buchanan's name. They realized they made a mistake. They'd punch Al Gore's name. And then they would be invalidated. 5,000 invalidated ballots. And then the 3,000 went to Pat Buchanan. Pat Buchanan himself said it was obviously voters were confused. Well, Pat, uh, uh, Al Gore loses the state by like 456 votes. He would definitely have won the state by three, four, five, maybe 6,000 votes. He would have won Florida. He would have become president of the United States. He was adamantly opposed to the war in Iraq. The war would never have taken place. And he had this nice lady. I'm just saying, we've all made mistakes worse than this. Hers just happened to come at a critical time. But they had her on one of the morning talk shows. They were saying to her, uh, people say you're responsible for this war. And she was in tears. Man, we appreciate the fact that you're crying, but we have 50,000 dead people and over $2 trillion down the drain because of a single tiny mistake. Well, first of all, what media would do that? That's horrific. Obviously, she wasn't like some nefarious underworld creature that's tried to, to, to create confusion. She was doing her very best. And although the outcome truly is there you know you could look away from your your uh, uh front of your car for a second and, and kill somebody in an accident and that was just a brief lapse in in judgment as well that can change the outcome of somebody's life but uh i'm just you know that that's tragic in itself that they would put that and hang that on her shoulders and then kind of parade her out there yes well sometimes you journalists uh, can be kind of cold-blooded hey don't look at um, me when you say it, that it is <laughs> <laughs> I smile when I say that. I smile when I say that. But no, she was, again, a nice, intelligent lady. I made mistakes for her that. You made mistakes for her that. It happened to come right at that critical point. And of course, the decision to go to war belongs with the President of the United States, which was George Bush, the son, uh, and, uh, and the Condoleezza um, Rice and the others that made that decision. They're the ones that are primarily responsible. This was just one line of a little funny little tick in the chain of, of events that, that, that led up to the result. They're the ones uh, that uh, should be held with that responsibility. But uh, anyway, very nice lady, and uh, I would guess uh, you know, we have my sympathy is uh, very much with her. Jared, why do you believe that they didn't, you know, now that they knew that that was the case, <clears throat> why didn't they do another voting stance in that state for that area, just that one area that was affected by the poorly crafted ballots? Yes, the courts were not willing to step across the line that the majority of people voting uh, voted correctly, understood the ballot, but there was a significant minority uh, that was enough to make the difference in the election. So the uh, courts were uh, not willing to step across the line and put themselves in the shoes of the voters to try to change it. 
so even though the probability is, is very heavily there, it's just something they were unwilling to do. I don't know whether it was a partisanship thing or what it was, but they would not, they would not uh, go there. Was there any change that came after that that would affect it going forward if a mistake like that happened? Or has that kind of, you know, black cloud just remained in history and, and no changes to it? Yeah, well, that that ballot has never been used again. We learned that less. That was a, a, a sad, ugly thing. That's uh, using ballots that are, uh, of course, are much easier to read and less likely to be confusing. That would, because each county could divide, uh, it could design its own ballot. That would slip through and was, uh, of course, a, a disaster. And that's just a, a, a tiny mistake. By the way, I'll uh, kind of associate over the concept of the um, butterfly ballot. Uh, comes from a mathematician. His name was uh, Professor Lorenz, and he uh, was one of the leading uh, mathematicians back in the 1950s and 60s. He's one of the creators of chaos theory, and they do not give a Nobel Prize for mathematics, but they, the equivalent prizes were given to him, very outstanding uh, gentleman. And he was, uh, back in the 1950s, he was running a, a computer program there was a number with a decimal and then like 18 numbers behind it. It goes to an infinitesimally small kind of number there towards the end. It was taking a long time for the computers of the day to run the, the program here, which he was, uh, it couldn't make much difference. Uh, let me lob off five or six of these numbers at the end, just make it a uh, decimal point with 12 numbers. They'll run faster, and uh, the other things will speed up quite a bit. But he did that, and he was amazed. It was a, uh, a meteorological program, a weather prediction program, he was amazed the difference it made in the end, just the small numbers being taken out of the formula. And so he then came up with the concept. He presented it to a, uh, a, a large convention, and he's the one that coined the phrase. That would mean that a tiny little uh, tick in the early line of a progression, uh, for example, if a butterfly were to flap its wings down in Brazil, uh, a year and a half later they could lead to a, lead to a cyclone in the state of Texas. Well, that was a, a slight overstatement. But it's the basic idea that there's a domino effect. One thing can hit another, can hit another. You can multiply, can multiply, can multiply, and here's this catastrophe at the end. And that's where the uh, concept comes from, and it certainly applies in history, uh, as in my book, Time and Time Again. Before we jump on to, to one of the last stories here to cover, I'm, I'm just curious, Jared, you're a lot more uh, learned than I am in this case, but do you think that it would have made a difference if, if Al Gore had taken over as the president at that point, do you believe that the war would have been averted? Or if we buy into the conspiracy theory that there's a lot of money to be made in wartime, it would have happened anyway? No, he was adamantly, adamantly opposed to the war. He was making this ugly, uh, uh, very angry speech. He was talking about uh, George Bush. He betrayed this country. He betrayed this country. He was opposed to it. And Hillary Clinton and John Kerry were in favor of the war back then. It looked like the thing to do, uh, but he was opposed. It would not. If he were president, the war would not have uh, taken place. Um, so that's uh, it's a kind of a thing you might I'll pre associate into that. Yeah, Why you, is it that we went to war? Go ahead. George Bush Sr. was adamantly against new taxes, if you recall. No new taxes, read my lips, and then immediately put in new taxes. So, uh, you know, are, well, yeah, they all seem to right. be speaking I'm, out of the corner of their mouth. Well, you're right. He could have changed his mind, but he was, I mean, the speech he gave was uh, ugly, just yelling and screaming. He betrayed this country, betrayed this country. He was adamantly opposed, even though John Kerry and uh, Hillary Clinton, fellow Democrats, were in favor of it. So he might have changed his mind, but I would think, I think he was 
um, opposed and would have stayed opposed. Of course, you never know for sure. I'm no particular fan of Al Gore, but in this one case, he was he was correct. Al, free associated to the question of why did we uh, go to war in the first place, which now I think both Republicans and Democrats uh, view it as having been a big big mistake. By the way, the 9/11 Commission said the decision to go to war against Iraq was an example of a groupthink, and that and it was uh, named as a, as a blunder, a major blunder. Now, there's an old saying that generals are always fighting the last war. They're taking the wisdom that would have applied in the previous war and applying it to the current circumstance. Well, 9-11, there was warnings that 9-11 was coming. There were warnings of there were dots there that should have been connected. And we should have, uh, the intelligence community should have been doing a better job. They should have seen that uh, and anticipated that attack, not get blowing up in, uh, the uh, Twin Towers in New York. Well, that was a mistake they made before. They were not preemptive enough. They were not alert enough. Well, we're not going to make that mistake again. We've got Saddam Hussein, who has supposedly these weapons of mass destruction. He was, was trying to pretend as though his nuclear program was better developed than it was, kind of intimidate his neighbors. Okay, he's a, yeah, we can connect the dots. He's got these weapons of mass destruction, both the chemical uh, weapons and also the nuclear program he's developing. We're not going to make the same mistake we made last time. We'll go in there and be very preemptive, and we'll just, uh, just neutralize the situation before it can uh, turn much worse. Well, they get in there, and it turns out the nuclear program was extremely primitive. Uh, also, the uh, only uh, chemical weapons they had were the ones that were old, so 10 uh, 15 years earlier, we'd sold him that we're done in deteriorated condition. Uh, there was no justification, as the 9-11 Commission pointed out, uh, to going to war, uh, that the concept had gone through unchallenged, uh, the example of groupthink, and it was just one great big blunder. Crazy. We've got uh, time for one quick story before we wrap up. And again, we're talking with our guest, Jared Knott, his book, Tiny Blunders, Big Disasters, 39 Tiny Mistakes, that changed the world forever. What do you want to go out with? Yes, uh, here's one from ancient times. And uh, the teaser there is uh, a helmet is actually kicked off of a wall by a clumsy soldier, and it causes an empire to collapse. <laughs> you know, what? what? How right. in the world is that possible? It had to do with Cyrus the Great. Okay, He's mentioned in the Bible. He's the one that uh, gave the uh, children of Israel their, their freedom from the, uh, captivity in Babylon. And he was in a war with uh, Croesus from the expression, which is Croesus. And they were battling. They fought this uh, war, uh, battle. Okay, they kind of fought to a standstill. And so then uh, uh, Cyrus the Great takes his troops and puts them on his ships and sails away. Well, okay. Uh, Croesus said, well, we won the battle. The Spartans were there helping him. Okay, we guess we won the battle. So then the Spartans leave. Okay. And then, uh, however, they don't call him, they not call him Cyrus the Great for nothing. But about a week or ten days later, he turns around and he comes back. Now the Spartans are gone and the battle is engaged once again. But winter is coming. It's not clear who's going to win. And then here came this tiny mistake. A soldier up on top of the wall accidentally kicks his helmet off the top of the wall. It was coming down the side of the wall all the way down to the bottom. The soldier gets off the top of the wall, climbs down a pathway down the side of the wall all the way to the bottom, gets his helmet walks all the way back up. And one of Cyrus's men sees it. Hey, look, 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 look. There's a pathway up the side of the wall. It's supposed to be considered an impregnable fortress to Sardos. Well, anyway, the next night, they had a raiding party. They climbed up that same pathway, goes over the top of the wall, goes over there and forces the gates open. Cyrus's army's waiting on the other side of the gates to come flooding into the city, conquer uh, Sardos, uh, conquer uh, Lydia, all because one soldier was a little bit clumsy 
with his feet. Unbelievable. The world is a fragile, fragile place. It doesn't take much to send people off. It seems a lot of it has to do with war in our in, in these instances. Mm-hmm. Yes, it does. War is a pivotal thing that determines the fate of nations, unfortunately. Uh, it's, uh, politics and war makes a uh, makes big difference. It sure does. Crazy stuff. Jared Knott, thank you so much for stopping by. The book, again, Tiny Blunders, Big Disasters, 39 Tiny Mistakes That Changed the World Forever. Jared, we appreciate you dropping by today. Yes, also, people can go to tinyblundersbigdisasters.com, tinyblundersbigdisasters.com. I have my website there. There's two and a half free chapters there. I'm running a special this week. You have to download uh, for $1.99. Wow, great deal. I like two and a half chapters. You are an ultimate tease, Jared. <laughs> All right, well, uh, we'll, we'll talk to you again soon. Thank you for stopping by. Stay tuned. We've got more with the family right after this. And we are back with Stretch's Picks. Who's winning this thing? The Kitties, the Pack, the Bears, or the Purple? None of the above. Those are all the teams in the division. I know that. Well, who's your pick? I'm going with Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. What? It's not a football team. Sabre is one of the largest Bryant dealers in the state, which means you save. Yep, I'm going with Sabre, Sabre and Bryant, doing whatever it takes to keep you comfortable. Oh, uh, one more thing, Tom. What's that? Visit SabreHeating.com. Tom Bernard talking with Brad Huckle and Michael Bilski of North American Banking Company. We've talked a few times over the years about how North American Banking Company has helped local businesses when they're ready for expansion. We love talking about the success of our customers. One example is suburban manufacturing in Monticello. They create innovative products that produce clean, dry air that is needed during the manufacturing process. We recently helped them expand their business. Moving into a new building gave them the space they needed to add new equipment and production lines. We were able to step in quickly and provide the financing they needed when they needed it. When we help businesses like Suburban Manufacturing with their expansion, it's beneficial for our customers, but their growth also creates new jobs in our community. So they make stuff that produces clean, dry air for manufacturing after working with Bilski. Do they breathe easier with their business belt? We certainly hope so, Tommy, and that's no hot air. Nice one. Why not bank with my banker? North American Banking Company, a better banking experience, member FDIC, and equal housing lender. Tom here, and I really love my pillow. And now they're offering my pillow towels, 100% USA cotton. You get two bath, two hand, and two washcloths, 60-day money-back guarantee. And right now, my pillow towels, originally priced $109.99, now a flash sale, $39.99 with promo code KQRS. This amazing deal is yours by going to the radio listener specials at MyPillow.com. Enter promo code KQRS. That's MyPillow.com, promo code KQRS. Welcome back to the family. Tom Bernard is off. He'll be back tomorrow, as will Catherine. Maybe. Is Catherine back tomorrow? She should uh, yeah, be. I think so. I don't want to speak out of turn. She should be, as long as they don't. Actually, if they got COVID, they could still do the show. Or if... yeah, well, Dad well, already had it. Well, what would it I matter? I cannot even tell you how many people I know in the last week that have had COVID or I know, tested it's... positive for COVID. Like 10 people in I know, the last it's, week. It's, it's no longer <clears throat> if. But when you're going to get it, yes. mm-hmm. there's no doubt. But I will say, everyone that I know that's got it, vaccinated or not, it seems to be quick. Apparently it's like this three new days. variant is like nothing. Or like, it's like one bad day, yeah, like really bad day, and it's like fatigue, headache, mm-hmm. some body aches, and 
then that's it. Are you talking like, about the Omicron? Yeah, it seems Omicron, like that's yep. where yeah. we're at right now. Because it does seem really different than Delta. Because the people that I knew that got Delta, it was like, ugh, well, I know no thank you. The kids, the high school kids in our in our home, they had, the schools gave them COVID tests to take before they came back from break. Okay, yeah, I know some schools are doing that. So yeah. I, I'm, I'm assuming we're going to have a surge since the holidays yeah. and all the traveling and getting together. Yeah. Um, so that might be why you're starting to see a lot of people after Christmas starting mm-hmm. to come down with COVID. Mm-hmm. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm with Dave. I was to the point where it's not a matter of if, it's when you're going to get it. Yeah. Well, everybody says, well, not everybody, but a lot of people say that since it's a coronavirus, like the common cold is a coronavirus, it's like alpha is going to be the worst and mm-hmm. then delta. And then the more Generally, variants there works, yeah. are... It'll just end up being like another common cold, and yep. then no one will even know what the difference is. Mm-hmm. So it's like Pretty the more much, it yeah. changes, the weaker it'll get. So yeah, it'll, it's like if you can survive another variant or two, it may not be <laughs> that big of a deal. All right, everybody, let's agree: no licking a bat's ass yeah. in the next <laughs> yeah. ten years. Yeah. Let's just all stay clear of eating go. weird shit, right? No yes. uh, monkey brains. No, God, I'm only thirty-five, and I can I can recall like you know, five supposedly world-ending pandemics. Right. Yeah. None of them really went anywhere except for this one. This one's the one that stuck. Swine yeah. flu, bird flu. Yeah, H1N1, which, um, yeah, there yeah. was... Mar- uh, SARS. 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 Yep. Which I found out that my father-in-law was the first person in America to successfully treat SARS-CoV-1. I wow. did not know that. One dose Where of is he now? Is <laughs> Where, Where is, is he, he now? now? He is... In his apartment. You know what's up? Uh, he's retired. Sitting by himself. Sorry, Talking about retired. weird conspiratorial ideas. Oh, my God. I love conspiracy theories so, so much. I've got right? Check this Please out. You're going to love this. Please tell me. So during, during the pandemic, right, the world is engaged with the idea that we're all going to die. Yeah, absolutely. Meanwhile, they're shooting out press releases about UFOs and government basically admitting, yeah, there's UFOs. Yeah. We, yeah. we can't explain true. them. Yeah. Here's, here's something weird. So the uh, coronavirus, right? Yep. The UFO that crashed in Roswell actually crashed in Corona, New Mexico. Okay. Now the new variant is called Omicron, and there was a movie called mm-hmm. Omicron, which was about aliens invading Earth, and this this rampant uh, virus that started to take over. Oh my God. I'm starting to see some weird trends <laughs> like here. There's... Yeah, I think that movie was like 1967 or something, yeah. like that, the year you were born. Or so, uh, oh, you're late. trying to put the blame on me? <laughs> no, oh no, my no. Gosh. <laughs> yes, it's nice your fault. work. Dave. God. You were born and all hell broke loose. Yeah. Yeah. That's about right. I can't even deny it. The Antichrist has arrived. Yep, here he is. (laughs) Who knew it was going to be a bald, fat, white guy from Minnesota? I mean. A Louisiana man busted early for uh, allegedly trying to enter a neighbor's apartment at 2 a.m. Explain to police. Why do you believe? I'm just going to throw this out to you guys before we even get to why he decided to go into this other person's apartment. What what would possibly cause a man? What would rationale would he have that he should enter this person's home? To borrow a cup of sugar. Okay, good answer. I'm guessing he didn't go outright and say, I need copper to sell the buy meth. No, no, <laughs> no. That's he probably the real clean reason. pair of underwear. Clean pair. Those are all good choices. No, it turns out that a giant snake told him to open the victim's door oh. and okay, just go that makes, inside. That makes more sense. Yeah. Oh, that makes more sense. Yeah. 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 On a related note, Jesse Terry, 52, also reportedly told arresting officers 
that he had smoked crack earlier that oh, hour. Oh, there it is. Okay. So there's that. <laughs> Shocking. I see That's a correlation. Yeah. Could be crack and giants. Hey, uh, why don't we go on in that apartment? <laughs> Sounds like a good deal to I me. I feel like if you're going to do crack, just like don't follow along with anything that with talking animals weird stuff that no happens, matter it's what not real. anyone tells you just say no just, just sit back like, and nope. enjoy yeah, it just, just like just relax sit back and enjoy it. what if the snake gets really mad i really want to go in that apartment just Come be on, like Harry. cool it bro well technically if you were the devil uh-huh. wouldn't you appear to drug addicts because then no one would believe them uh, yeah yeah mm. they, he's yeah. the lord of lies so he oh, thinks well, about these things well there's this whole kind of a conspiracy theory about how people on drugs are like they're you know perceiving the, other dimensions yeah they and remove stuff. the veil and all that i stuff. did and like i did hey, an man. ayahuasca journey a year and a half ago okay and a good friend of mine at the time had convinced me to try this and it was not the nasty poop and puking ayahuasca yeah like right? get it <laughs> this was this was more culture so it was a piece of chocolate you just let melt on your tongue and all of a sudden you're tripping the light, fantastic. All of a sudden? Yeah. It's oh, like, I, I'm like there, I'm, you know, it's like I put the chocolate in, we're chatting for a few minutes, all of a sudden the world just kind of goes, okay. and See, then I'm in nope. a different universe. But it was I've so, I will say this, truly amazing. Had one of the greatest experiences of my life, although I did kneel before a towel virgin Mary. Great. So great, I, great. And I'm not Catholic. But I, I turned around in the bathroom and there was a towel hanging over the top. Oh, and so then you weren't one like in the down. wilderness? You were just no, like in a we hotel room? We were in a hotel room. room. Yeah, oh, I'm very uh, bougie when it comes to my tripping. Got it, got it, got it, got it. And uh, I turned and looked at it and I remember thinking, there's uh, towels. And then I heard, it's the Virgin Mary. So I dropped to my knees, as one should do. Mm-hmm. And, there you go. Yeah, yeah she's and, there, and Catholic or not. What's funny is I'm like, I'm having this conscious discussion, two voices in my head going, it's towels. And the other one going, yeah, but the Virgin Mary's trying to get your attention. And it all made logical sense, so I had this conversation. But it was it was amazing. And lifting the veil, I don't know how else to explain the weird stuff that happened. I heard things, saw things. It was great. Not at any point did they tell me I should break into the neighbor's apartment. Yeah, there was no giant snake no. telling you. No, and at no point did it see much better than weed because I had no hunger. <laughs> when I'm smoking God's green herb, I, all I want to do is eat. Eat, yeah. Um, but uh, no, this was this was really interesting. Yeah, it was fantastic. See? If you ever get the chance to eat the non-pooping, Never. pooping, puking Never. version, nope. how do you tell the difference? I'd end up in a psych versions. ward for the rest of my life. Well, a lot of these no places what. you have to go to, like, uh, well, they, they do them here in the United States too, but it's very underground. Um, mm. But a lot of people go over to Mexico or yeah. Venezuela. Mm-hmm. First of all, I'm not going to Venezuela for anything to be no, in a little you. thatched hut and take drugs with a no, bunch of strangers. I don't know. Doesn't sound like a positive experience. No, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> they, like, some of them mix their spit with it mm. to, you know, really get you up. They, they chew this root, and I don't know. It's crazy. I can chew it myself, thank you. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> just give me the root. Just there's give me the root. Actually, I'll there, do it. There's a few uh, I don't know, gurus or whatever you call in the United States here who have who have factored in all the things that you need without the nasty repercussions. So it was. It was truly, I have always been afraid. Growing up, I had a heart problem. I still do. But, you know, my doctor told me, stay away from accelerants, things like cocaine, things yeah. that are going to get your, your blood pumping mm-hmm. and, and elevated. And then I had such an overwhelming fear of death and snakes that I figured I'm going to stay as far away from hallucinogens as I can. Okay. The closest thing I had to hallucinogens was at my buddy's party. I'm smoking a joint, which had this weird bitter aftertaste. 
and he tells me, yeah, we dipped it in Windex and let it dry. Oh, yeah, I heard about that. And I'm like, what the fuck? Why Windex? <laughs> and then as I'm dancing with my girlfriend, her face starts to morph into a demon. Okay. And I cock back my fist, and my my, oh. my buddy's brother grabbed me and pulled oh me off. God. He goes, what are you doing? And I go, don't you see the demon? The demon. And they're like, oh, God, the Windex hit. And they dragged me into another room <laughs> and had to, like, Windex. sit on me for half an hour till I came down. And I'm like, I'm staying away yeah, from all this. Yeah, that sounds great. Yeah. I can't even take DayQuil, so I'm going to avoid <laughs> Any, that yeah. at all costs. Yeah, like, I Instantly can, start I can't. robo-tripping? No, I just, like, I get... I. Once tried to take something out of the oven without oven mitts on when I had day oh, wow. I like I can't cook or be near <laughs> like I dumped a whole box of rice into the garbage instead of into the pot of boiling water once when I was on Robitus and I think that was okay. I can't take yeah I am like the most sensitive to any I took one eighth of the dosage of CBD one time and I was so tired that I cried. <laughs> One eighth, One eighth of CBD. So wow. basically, if you have to take any type of over-the-counter medication, we I just need to wrap you up in a like, blanket, I, seriously, put you on the couch. I'm like afraid of any pharmaceutical <laughs> anything or any drug of although, any kind. Although, if you are thinking about doing ayahuasca, you do have to be careful with medications that you do take, like especially oh, antidepressants, sure. yeah. because mm-hmm. oh, God, it can yeah. cause seizures. And oh stuff like that. God! Why don't you go rain on someone else's no, parade? Hey, I'm, it's a full service thing. You have to be aware. I could list all the yeah. side effects, like well, commercial. And but if you're you not have... even supposed to drink alcohol if you're on antidepressants. Yeah, yeah technically you're not. Well, and if you're, you know, like Andy and me, and we have the potential to be schizophrenic, you shouldn't do it either. Mm. Yeah, that is true. That's you that guys could... never living up to your potential. Yep. Well, they... I could be schizophrenic right now if not for everyone stopping me. <laughs> not for avoiding Don't let ayahuasca. These people hold you back. Fly free, little butterfly. Well, do do the do hallucinogens it. do they like trigger? The... Yeah, they're known to. Yeah, if oh, you have like the okay. correct gene or who knows what it yeah, is. Apparently, yeah. a lot of people though, if they've got that like lurking beneath the surface, they take some LSD or whatever, and mm-hmm. that's it. And it flips the switch. Yeah. It's like, so, yeah, LSD can do it. Uh, Traumatic experience can do it. Mm -hmm. Um, Alcoholism sometimes, not as much, though. But, yeah, any sort of hallucinogenic. I actually read a really interesting book in college. The history class that I took in college was the history of mental illness. Mm -hmm. Not a pretty history. It was not a pretty history. (laughs) But it was a really interesting class because it's like as somebody who has a grandfather that had schizophrenia. Mm -hmm. I never met him. But um, I've always been very interested in mental illness and all of that. And um, Officer Dave says you should be in a psych ward anyway. I agree. (laughs) Especially if I'm going to take it sounds Dayquil. like a nice, safe place to <laughs> be. It sounds, yeah. If, as long as it's one of those really nice ones with like a spa. <laughs> See, I just yeah. spent the entire night unable to sleep having forensic files in the background. I'm just hearing that at some point Andy's going to try to wipe you out by like spiking your water with NyQuil or Dayquil. <laughs> he might. Yeah. I'll mm. give you a quarter of a dose. The yeah. Bernard riches we'll will all be mine. <laughs> You're up on top of the roof of the building. Yeah. I can fly, Andy. Yes, yeah. you can. That's yeah. right. All because of the Dayquil. What is she on? Dayquil. Yeah. Dayquil. Well, that's what mom, mom said like a couple weeks ago. It's like the first day she has a cold, yeah, she, she takes Dayquil and she like, like feels just, all nice. It's yeah. like, yeah, that's called robo-tripping. That's what that is. <laughs> well, and she, I have never, I, I can drink all the Dayquil I want and nothing happens. Well, and that's like I can't drink coffee. I can't. I'm getting like, there. I'm so sensitive to everything. So I had a spinal block once, not when I had my kids, but they were like, oh, you're going to be numb from your waist down 
for three hours, I think it was. And I was numb from the neck down <laughs> for seven. Overachiever. And I ha- was having, like, my arms were, like, having spasming, spasming because my nerves were all whacked. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I'm like, I can't. No. That's why I had my kids in a tub. Because yep. <laughs> I was like, I can't have any Wait, sort I can't of follow medicine the forever. I can't follow the math. That's because why the spinal block. Because if, like, you know, people uh-huh. do take all sorts of drugs when they right. have kids. And I'm like, no. Because I don't want to be pushing a kid out of me and then have some sort of thing go haywire. Yeah. Nope. In I a had tub an I go. epidural with my last one and it was fabulous. I see. And so many people love them. But nope. I would have been, like convulsing all over the place. No, my no, first two help. were natural because I didn't have time. They, they're like, oh, you're, you're too that's fast. That's how Melissa was. Oh, I was yeah, like, that's... oh, by the way, it's time. It's yeah, like, you can't, you oh, can't, can't have anything for a right now. Because <laughs> I would go from like, as soon as my contractions started, they were out in two hours. Yeah, yeah. well, that's so, like, yeah, that's my, my kids, I just like in my house and randomly it's like the baby's coming right now Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. with max he was breached so they had to flip him that was painful i wish i had the epidural for that external version yes that was the brutal part but once they got him flipped i told the nurse i'm like get the anesthesiologist up here now she's like you're only in a four i said yeah by the time he gets up here i'll be a six Sure enough, I was, and he yeah. gave me an epidural, and I just loved it. I just my son loved it. Nathan, uh, his mom wanted the epidural, so they they whacked her up with the epidural, but she was legitimately paralyzed from the waist down, so she could not push. So the nurse <laughs> oh. and I had to lift her legs up and push her oh, legs God. against her chest, no. and I'm like, push, push. She goes, I am pushing, oh, and nothing was happening. The doctor <laughs> walks in, and he goes, where are we? And the nurse just kind of looks at her and shakes her head, and I'm like, oh, is that a bad sign? And he looks down there, and this was the funniest thing. He goes, oh, for fuck's sake. And he grabs, like, this suction cup, yep. rams it in her, and goes, yep. and out oh, comes a baby. God. And then he goes, it's a boy, and he walks out of the room. <laughs> oh, so then okay. my, my kid, That's right? An experience. It, I've got this video. It's so great. His whole trunk is pure white. His arms are pink, and his head is purple from having been extracted, and it's coned. Now, out in the lobby are her brother and sister-in-law and their three perfect children that were all born cesarean, so they all came out pink and perfect. And I come out, and I'm looking at the baby, and I'm going, he's so beautiful. And my ex-wife is staring at him out of the corner of her eye, like, what have I given birth to? (laughs) And I take him out in the hall, and the, the family's out there, and they're like, oh. Look at him. That was her oh comments. And I'm gosh. like blubber. I'm like, he's so beautiful. And they're like, what is this guy used what to having? So he did. He had the long alien cone yeah, with purple gosh. hair. Ethan had, had a, little a bit. wicked cone head. Yeah, it's yeah. weird, though. Like, when I had the epidural, it's just, she kept telling me, push into your bottom, push into your bottom. I'm like, I don't know where my bottom is. Yeah, you're like, it's <laughs> all numb. I, I can't feel I don't know it. What you're I'm talking laughing. About. Yeah, I and, don't. <laughs> yeah. And I was just like... I, I this is the most weird experience ever, but yeah, you cannot feel anything. Yeah, like I, they did a good job on it, and I know some women who have had it, like they'll feel like half of it on their body and not the other half. Oh, see, no, mm. thank you. So I know yeah. epidurals freak me out. Anything yeah, that scary. close to my spinal cord, scary. no, thank you. Well, yeah. Well, you just push the baby out by yourself next time, Andy. No, I will. <laughs> yeah. That's the plan. Well, I, had my, I have. <laughs> I had my births, I had like the most hippy dippy births you can have. Yeah. Like I did this thing called hypno babies, which is like a hypnosis thing where you, it's like a pain management thing. Was the doctor hypnosis. standing outside you with like a stopwatch trying to I hypnotize not give, the baby? I did as not it give birth out? at a hospital. No, no. Demento, no. come quick. Yeah. I did not give birth at a hospital. Um, 
And yeah, like I just was in a tub and I had like, I invited anybody that wanted to, to come and I was like, come watch me give birth. You can come see my baby be born. It'll be great. And so there were like, for sages at least, I think there were like 10 people in the room mm-hmm. just because I invited them there. And they were like, sure, why not? Were you serving hot dogs and refreshments? <laughs> we were, I was like, I had a photographer, I had a nice. birth photographer there for both of my births. And like, I'm like laughing and like mm-hmm. hanging out, just easy breezy. And, Your mom yeah, slipped her some DayQuil. <laughs> yes, because of the DayQuil. NyQuil. Oh God, I, I can't am. even imagine. <laughs> I'd never wake up. I used to work for this company called Peak Performers Network in Bloomington. And we were a sales company. We dealt with all of these um, motivational speakers. We'd help book around the United States. And I had about three, four days in a row where I just couldn't fall asleep for more than 10, 15 minutes. And one day I'm sitting there at work and I'm booking, 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 booking. And my managers, they can go listen to the recordings to make sure that you're legitimately doing the sale. Mm. And they're listening. And I'm like... In an average day, you'd set three, maybe four appointments. Yeah. Before lunch, I'm at like 12 appointments. Oh, jeez. So they're like, what is going on here? So they're <laughs> listening, and I'm on fire. And the manager comes over, and he goes, Dave, you're doing great. What's going on? And as he's talking to me, I'm taping my pinky down. I've got scotch tape, and I'm taping my pinky to my hand. And I go, I don't know. We're just doing my deal. And he goes, what, what are you doing? And I look at my hand, and I go, I have not been sleeping well, but when I fell asleep last night for about 20 minutes, I woke up. Somebody had replaced my pinky with somebody else's. Oh, yeah. And I'm just going to tape it down until later and cut it off when I get home. Mm-hmm. And he goes, what? And he, he kind of laughs and he realizes, oh, you're not kidding. And then he goes, all right, well, you keep making calls. <laughs> so the funny thing is my manager and the president of the company had to have this conversation. Do we stop him? He's yeah. on a tear? Yeah. Or do we send him home? So they, they elect to bring me in the office. And I remember having the conversation. It all made perfect sense to me. And they're like, Dave, you are doing great. Would you talk to the rest of the crew and tell them what you're doing? I'm like, sure. So I go up and I address and everything is succinct and on point. And they're looking at each other they're like, and then they take me back and they go, now, why are you taping your finger down? Thinking I must have been joking with Kent. And I'm like, I have not slept well lately, man. And when I did fall asleep for about 20 minutes last night, I woke up and somebody's replaced my pinky with somebody else's and it just feels like it doesn't i'm gonna cut it off when i get home and they're like okay okay why don't you go back to your desk we'll be and then they came over and they're like we need your car keys yeah and they drove me home stopped went in and got me nyquil and benadryl Oh my! Yeah. Oh my! So they came out. I can't take Benadryl. I almost once had a heart attack because of Benadryl. Oh my God! Well, they gave me two Benadryl and a shot of Nyquil. Brought me into my house, laid me in the bed for a half an hour. They would not leave for fear that I'd go cut my finger on the sidewalk. Until boom, I was out. Oh my God! I didn't wake up for two days. I completely that shot and two Benadryl after not sleeping for like three Uh, days. Yeah, your body was just out of the freaking loop. Done. Yeah, but I. I, was, I think it's called alien, alien limb, limb syndrome, yep. And where you feel like somebody has replaced part of you with something that doesn't belong. And I didn't. Yep. There was no name for it except for crazy when it happened to me. <laughs> yes. Yeah, crazy. Speaking of crazy, 
We have a good guest coming up in the next hour, don't we? A little review of football and uh, mm-hmm. the mirth that was yesterday. Oh, God. See, my brain freezes. I had nightmares last night. He is the worst guest name in the history of guest names. I know is how to Stocky? say it. Yeah, but in my dreams, I kept fearing that I'm going to call him, like, Connie Makalopoulos. Or oh. I just – it oh, flips me, my brain up. Oh, yeah, oh, I know. But it's like, yeah. as the host of a show, you don't want to mess up Kostaki Akonimopoulos, well, right? But well, I'm like, and that's his, like Connie nickname. Hippopotamus. <laughs> Whatever. Right. It's yeah, that's the easy version. The the first couple of years of the show, I kept having nightmares about like the board not working for no reason. His dad, anytime anything went wrong, he he turned into the Hulk. Yeah, Mm -hmm. it was that was not pleasant. Yeah. Yeah. So you don't know what goes on in the heads of, of hosts. You sit there and you sweat out all these stupid things. There are sometimes I will look at a word. I know I know the word, and my mouth will not extraordinary. And I'm like. Extra or ordinary or extra? What the hell is this word? And you're like, it's extraordinary. Yeah, extraordinary. That's like, oh my god. Me every single time I write anything in a card, mm-hmm. I have to make sure I'm like, skip did letters. I spell this right? Oh, like I, I Google words. I skip letters words. all the time. I Google words before I write them in a card because I'm like, I know how to spell this word, but I'm like, but I feel like it's wrong. Uh, yes, when you're looking at and it, like, and like, yeah. it doesn't look right. <laughs> Which, but when I is. write any other time, I don't have that. But yeah. in a card, I'm like, this is meaningful yep. and it can't be wrong. The human brain. What a fascinating thing. If you just take a shot of Dayquil, you'll be able to write very effectively. You're putting yourself in the, what we call the Mozart zone. Yeah. Where it'll you be just creative. in a yeah. language that doesn't exist, that was but you'll say, write very well. It'll be like ancient, something yeah. like Sanskrit, lost language. That'll <laughs> well, be studied. We'll take a break when we come back. Connie Bumbercatch will be on with us. <laughs> and, uh, we'll do that right next on The Family.